episode 216 above ground podcast operation gunny claws disclaimer the hosts of this podcast timothy patrick and will foley are by no means medical professionals however having lived experience with mental illness themselves they have gained useful perspectives on common mental health issues that some of us struggle to overcome on a daily basis by sharing their stories they hope to create connection by creating connection they hope to help you find your purpose and through purpose we can all begin to build the foundation for positive mental health. This is Above Ground Podcast. Coming at you live with real conversations about mental health from the peer perspective, it's time for Above Ground Podcast. Now your hosts, TPP and Will Foley. Gung ho ho ho, right? We got Gunny Claus here today. He's going to just... Um... Fill us in on uh, where he came from, what he's been up to, and um, shed a little light on the um, 22 per day, the veterans that we lose every day to suicide. So, Gunny, welcome to the show, buddy. Thank you so much. I'm so glad I ran into you guys down at the event last year, and we actually got able to get on air together. Yes. Yeah, thanks for joining us, man. Uh, It was good to run into you at Tulip Fest also. You wearing your kilt yeah. right now? Uh, I was wearing it yesterday <laughs> when I was down in New York City. Were you? Awesome. Yep. Awesome. Yeah, so it's amazing. Even in New York City, people will actually stare at a kilt. That's crazy, though, because there's a lot of people that wear kilts. I mean, generally at different times of the year, obviously, for more yeah. celebratory stuff. But I'm sure there's a lot of I'm sure there's a lot of people that are. Are you a Hibernian? Uh, I was a member of the Hibernian. Yes. OK, because I thought that might have right something. The corner from me. Oh, OK. Yeah, so 22 vets per day die by suicide, Gunny, and that's that's terrible. And 22 I, I too mean, many. 22 too many. It just goes without saying. It's like we the numbers are just you can't well, lie about the, the numbers. The, the bad part is, is that's the numbers that the VA agrees to. Well, right. And those are the numbers that they say that people say that they may have a mental health issue right. or something that leads to that but that we're not talking about the stuff that that people come from the addiction part of it or any of the other stuff right so a, a lot of veterans unfortunately will self-medicate and some of the things that they use to self-medicate they can overdose on and so an overdose can easily be said it's just an overdose it wasn't a suicide and so, and then, you know, if you have somebody who's never been in the VA system and, and nobody knows that they were a veteran because they've never talked about it and they commit suicide, nobody's looking to, to add them to that, that number. And so they get uncounted. What we're saying is that more than what we really know is, is that more people die by suicide every day than are counted. And that goes across the board, no matter what culture you come from. And yes. we found that out and it doesn't matter which segment you come from. We found out that it is underreported. And as we all know, that mental health has been so played down that we're just coming to catch up to say that mental health is just as important as our physical health. And we realize why, because so many people are dying in the shadows alone for no reason. And as a vet, you gave to your country, you were give, you gave yourself with a promise that you would be taken care of and looked after do you think the system adds to that do where do you see the good in the in the where do you see the balance of the negative and positive within the system and do you see a negative and positive or is it all one-sided 
you know, you, you can't sit there and say that a healthcare system doesn't provide something. So, you know, if you're a veteran and you, and you are, have the ability to use the VA for your medical needs because you don't have anything else, that's a positive. The negative side is having to fight for that care. So the example I use is if I go over to Albany Medical Center and the, the VA just sent me over there because they weren't able to do the procedure in a timely fashion. So I was sent to community care. I went over to Albany Medical Center and I had my care. And it was you know, comparable to what I would have gotten in the VA if they'd been able to do it. It wasn't you know, any better or worse, but it was just in a timely fashion. What people don't understand is that all cost the VA money that comes out of a limited budget. So if the government says that you've got a billion dollars and you've got 14 million veterans, that's not a lot of money per person. But I go across the street to Albany Medical Center and I get that care. They make money off of that care because I'm paying my copay, the insurance is paying them, and, and all that money is being recouped and they're making money off of every time they do a procedure. So their best interest is to do more procedures, do more testing, take care of a person better. Whereas the VA, yeah, they'll see you, but then they'll be like, okay, what do you want? And their simple answer to veterans is, right, so, so they, they say you have a problem and they're like, okay, so what do you want? And you actually have to self-diagnose and have to know what it is that you need from the VA so that they know that they, that's what they're going to give you. But generally speaking, it's just a pill. They're going to give you some type of medication instead of taking care of the problem. So uh, you mean they want you to play Dr. Google before you come in so you well, know what your problem is so you can direct them in the in the proper it, direction when they're doctors it's it's because of the pro it's because they don't get funded properly that's that's the problem well, the thing is, is is they have limited funding well you can call it what you want but we can all see that government health care doesn't necessarily work yeah well i mean most well it would it would if it it would if it was funded properly it's just well, that's the way that exactly, they earmark but right but but the thing is is that I mean, I don't know if any of this, I don't know if any of the defense budget covers VA expenses. No, the but, VA is completely separate. Right. See, that's part and see, that might be part of the issue, too, is that we've see that is, I think, part of the conundrum is that we've separated everything so much. And we've said that this doesn't deserve that, but we need to put all the money over here. And then people's egos get in the way. It's just it's a clusterfuck. But but to burn it all down with no plan to build it again or to privatize everything doesn't work either because privatization is just going to let them tell you that they won't care for you because they don't agree with what you need. That's the problem with privatization. So you have to have a balance of the two, I think, in my personal opinion. And I see this every day because I work in the state system now. So like you still need to provide care for people and people are falling through the cracks and you are right. There are so many barriers. And especially when it comes to vets, I've heard so many stories about people having to fight just to get just to get covered for something that is a basic coverage for most people who have health and good health insurance. And unfortunately, you know, the, the VA here, um, I had to go to a funeral for a young Marine several years ago. He had been in the, the VA hospital for a period of time in the 
uh, mental health ward and they released him. You know, they said he was, he was good to go and he could get back out into society. And if you know the VA, there's the parking garages for Albany Med built on VA property. And he walked out the front door, walked to the top of the parking structure and dove off and committed suicide. He wasn't out more than 20 minutes and he's in, and now he's dead. And because of the medical malpractice that had been in place at the time, there was no recourse for the family or friends of, or anybody for him doing that. Because back then it was actually illegal to sue for medical malpractice against the government if you're in the military or in the VA system. So you can now, because I was actually going to ask kind of Will had asked more on the the healthcare side of things. Now, why can't we be a little bit more proactive with it as far as what, you know, when you're in the Marine, you know, or even in training or whatever, can we have more support for these guys? Can we, can we bring up the, the word mental health? Can we talk about these things? Well, unfortunately in the military, um, any type of weakness, whether it's mental, whether it's physical, whether it's emotional, whether it's spiritual or a relationship, your family or whatever, uh, is, is seen as a negative side effect. It's not seen as something that you want to have and you need to ask questions and help for. So, you know, there's there people have, have gone through training and, you know, they, they get done with training and you find out later on that they had a broken bone or they had a serious strain or they had a, a bad medical problem that was only aggravated because they didn't take care of it fast enough because they didn't want to be seen as being weak. And See, but so that, that's maybe, maybe like some of that could be part of it. You know what I mean? If, if, if there's a yin and yang to everything, then like, look, at it, it's as I'm sure you can back me up on this, you know, you know, standing up, being vulnerable, asking for help is, is the complete opposite of weakness. Yeah. But the thing is, is in, in the military, it's not seen as a, a benefit. It's not seen as, as a good attribute. It's seen as a weak attribute. You're told to do something. You ask what it, what it is that they want you to do when it's done by. And, you know, what are your resources? And you get it done. If you don't get it done, you know, un unlike, you know, other places, people don't understand that it doesn't get done. I was just going to ask, in your opinion, what is there something that could possibly help in that situation to balance it out? Well, I mean, the, the thing is, is the, the stigma and we are a part of society. You don't just hatch military members out of an egg and, and put them in the military and, and they're separate from society. We come from society. So all the problems and things that you have wrong in society, you have in the military in a microcosm until we as a society say that mental health isn't a negative thing. It will be a negative thing in the military because it's smaller, it's more compact, it's more uh, focused. So it's even more of a negative in the military than it is in the civilian world. And so, and when, when you're in the military, you don't have the option to go to a civilian doctor and say, I need help. You have you're you're going to have to go to a military doctor on the on the opposite side of the, the spectrum. When I was a drill instructor, there are times where you would have recruits who were having problems who would say that they didn't want to be there 
and that they may harm themselves. And, and we took that very seriously. We we'd immediately get them to see the chaplain. We'd immediately see, get them down to see the, the, the medical personnel, the Navy personnel to, to, to make sure that they were okay. If we couldn't get them there fast enough, we'd actually have somebody watch them 24 hours a day to make sure that they're, they couldn't harm themselves. But then on the opposite side, I had a recruit say that he wanted to kill me and the other drill instructors. And we're about to go to the rifle range. And so he's going to have a weapon. He's going to have ammunition. And he's going to have the capability and the, the time to actually do this. And so we took him down to, to see the psychiatrist. And the Navy looked at him and, the, and they talked to him for a couple hours. And they brought him out. And they said he was good, good to go for training. You know, and I had to stop and say, wait a minute, wait a minute. He, he just said he wants to shoot and kill me. And they actually had the audacity to say, well, isn't that what you're training him for? And I said, yes, but you're missing the point. We're training him to be able to defend our country and against foreign enemies. He's not being trained to kill me or Americans. He's being, you know, there, there's a problem here between what we're sending out and what he's receiving and where that action is being directed to. And they couldn't understand the difference, you know, and I'm like, oh, great. <laughs> now, was, was that gentleman still within your service? And under you for the right remainder of his of his time there. Yeah, we were able to, you know, look at the way we may have said a few things. We were able to look at the way he understood a few things and we were able to clarify some certain things so that when we actually talked about, you know, what we do and at, at the rifle range, he understood that this wasn't what what we were really going for. And there are times, you know, not every recruit says it, but there are times where Almost every recruit hates their drill instructors. They're terrified of them. They hate them. You know, at the end, it becomes this, you know, love-hate relationship. You know, they, they've changed your lives and you'll never forget them. Some like us a little bit more than others, but they all remember you. Right. And, and like my drill instructors. Right. And like we said at the beginning of this, being Father's Day as we're recording this, man, like you really are a parental figure. And yeah. especially in that, in those roles with the authority and the, and just the structure and the teamwork and the, the machine like finesse that needs to happen for that type of op, those types of operations. Well, speaking of operations and we know that the outlook is, is, is dark, but it's not bleak because there's people like you out there who are talking to people like us who do things like this and you have another operation that you do because the that big full beard that you have right there, you are gunny claws. And that's how we kind of came across together. And I know Tim kind of put this all together and reached out to you online, I believe. And then we met at whatever event. I can't remember what event. We've been to so many things. I don't remember what the fuck I was yeah. Um. So why don't you tell us about how Operation Gunny Claws started and what it does and all the things that you're involved in, because you you you're in New York City a lot, and you do a lot for vets. So why don't we get into that? I retired, you know, and I, I came back from San Diego. My my father uh, at the time was suffering from Alzheimer's, and I wanted to spend some quality time with him uh, before things got too bad, and he passed away. And um, you know, it's not easy reintegrating into society. Um, there's a you know media has a lot of misconceptions and puts out a lot of information out there that, you know, isn't all necessarily true. It's, it's, you know, glamorized to, to, to make 
and sell their product, either be a movie or TV show or a book or whatever. And so, you know, started volunteering with some, some organizations and, and one was the local uh, Marine Reserve Unit's Toys for Tots program. I was putting out boxes, picking up boxes full of toys and just helping behind the scenes because we had a reserve unit here. Uh, unfortunately, the reserve unit was moved from New York to Connecticut and the mission is still there though. And we, we cover um, something like 14 counties from the Pennsylvania border to the Canadian border. The Marine who had been in charge of it uh, has now was also retired. And he called me up and said, hey, I need you to come out and do some events in front of the box so we can have a Marine representing the program. And I was, you know, like, dude, I'm not really the PR type of guy. Uh, my job in the Marine Corps as law enforcement, as a drill instructor is very stoic and not a really happy, jolly kind of guy. You know, you, I'm not, I'm not that. I'll scare people. And he's like, no, no, we got this really cool event. Why don't you come out and, and, and help us out and see what you think? And I was like, okay, you know, I'll, I'll be there. And so for two days, we did this event. And no joke, I scared every single kid. I mean, they ran away from me. I felt like Krampus. I didn't have the beard. My hair was probably about as long as it is now. The nightmare um, before you know. Christmas. Yeah. Yeah, it was it was not good. And I said, look, I, I can't do that again next year, you know. Uh, and he's like, well, I still need you. The, the need doesn't go away. And so after Christmas, I, I, I tried to figure something out. And, you know, I was on social media and I saw through a friend that there was a Marine down in South Carolina, North Carolina, around Paris Island and Camp Lejeune doing gunny claws. And I was like, well, that looks like something that I could do. I had a friend who had been in, in the Drum and Bugle Corps, the band that plays for the Commandant of the Marine Corps and performs with the Silent Drill Platoon. And they were able to get me the blouse. I, I bought the campaign cover from the same company that makes our campaign covers as drill instructors. I made it red and I started doing gunny claws with Toys for Tots. But as a lot of things, there's more need than you realize. And you see that doing this not only helps kids, but it helps my fellow veterans. I mean, I can't count the number of times where I've been on social media and I've seen a Marine or a soldier or an airman or the Navy, not so many Space Force, few Coast Guard. And, you know, I'll send them a message. You know, it doesn't matter what time of year it is. And if it's not Christmas, they're like, you know, dude, it's not Christmas. And I'm like, yeah, well, I'm just checking that list twice, helping out Santa. And they're like, okay. And then, you know, the, there'll be a pause and they'll be like, you know, I really appreciate that. You, you really made my day. And, you know, they don't tell me what's going on, what's wrong with their life that day. But you can see that it really made a positive impact. And seeing that, I'm like, wow, you know, maybe I can, I can help out and, and not just during Christmas or the holiday season. And so uh, I go down to DC for Memorial Day and what used to be Rolling Thunder and is now rolling to remember. I go down to New York City for the Veterans Day Parade. I was in that parade and, and I saw a gentleman on the side and, and uh, he had a Scottish pin and 
I have a kilt that goes with my uniform and I, and I mentioned it to him and he's like, well, you need to be in my parade. And I'm like, yeah, okay, dude, you're standing on the sides of, a, of New York city street for a parade and you have your own parade. I'm like, does it come with a bridge? You know? And he gave me his card and, you know, that's sure judging enough, right there, Gunny, you're judging, you're judging. Yeah, well, I, I, I know, but that's gotta be hard though. Cause he might be selling you the Brooklyn bridge. <laughs> You know, it's New York City. You know, you got to right. you got to take it with a grain of salt. That's right. And so, you know, I got home and I looked him up and Kyle, you know, it's his parade. He does the parade in New York City for for Tartan Day. And so I went to the parade and I met a lot of great people. The uh, West Point, the U.S. Army Military Academy was there. They had a drum and pipe and Annapolis was there. Their cadets were there and they have a drum and pipe. So, you know, there's veterans there. There's military there. And. I had a great time and I did it that year and I, I went and did it again this year, but this year I did it just as a Marine group. And, you know, I'm trying to build up a, a, a presence there for the military, for the Marines to, to be in the parade. Uh, so that's why yesterday in New York city, I was wearing my kilt, getting other Marines to see if they're interested in going and doing it again this uh, next year with me. That's awesome, man. See, this is what this is all about. You found your place and you were able to give back. And this has allowed you to open up this whole thing, man. That's awesome. You're doing yep. such amazing work, man. Congratulations. That's that's so cool. Yep. Yeah, it is cool. Know, I, was, I, I was just going to ask. No, I was just going to ask really quick because you would, uh, you know, you're the initial when you started to get into it, you're like, oh, you know, I can, there's a lot of people to help. I can help this guy I can help this girl or whoever. But do you find you? that it helps you as well. And, and you being a stoic guy and coming from that, you know, you know, background that's very stoic and, and, you know, has, has that con different connotations to it. Do you find yourself now kind of like Will said, opening up and, and being a little bit more, um, you know, ho, ho, hoorah, jolly. So definitely when I put the uniform on, I do, my persona does change. I become more, more, jovial my boss is jolly so i say i'm jovial okay all right we'll take that you know so I, I definitely are you know exude more positive things when i'm in uniform the the really fun part is you know like you know taking the train down to new york city yesterday and back i saw this this little girl there and you know when kids see the beard you know and they they see you and they're 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 like i i think i know that guy you know but i'm not sure because he does you know he's not dressed like santa i and have so to say this you remind me very much of the miracle on 34th street santa claus from the original because of your beard because you have that 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 style of gray beard i'm sure yeah. by the time christmas rolls around it's probably grown out quite a bit more because i can't remember yeah. when we saw you in the spring how long your beard was i can't remember yeah i, I trim it a little bit for the <laughs> summer because it gets it gets a little bit warm and so by by the fall you know it, it can get there pretty pretty full and, and nice you can see it and she's you know she's looking at her mom and you know i'm like you know don't tell anybody but you know have you been good and they're like what you know and i'll be like you know eat your vegetables listen to your mom and dad you know, if you have a brother or sister, you don't be mean to them, clean up your room, you know, all the things that you want to positively reinforce kids to do that, you know, a lot of, there isn't a lot of positive role models out there these days. And so, you know, I try, try to, to put that out there. 
And, you know, for the kids that are at that age of where they're transitioning out of believing in the Easter bunny, Santa Claus, and, and you know, other, you know, myths like that, I, I, I sort of bring them back in. And I'm like, yeah, no, I'm not, I'm not Santa. That's my boss. You know, he lives at the North Pole. I live at Troll Station, Antarctica. Uh, I, I did an interview outside of Comic-Con last year. And, uh, you know, I, I said, yeah, the, the elves are great at making toys, but not so great at handling the list. You know, in fact, they, they left it out and Rudolph ate half of it. <laughs> you know, and, and Santa needed it. some help. I love you it. Know, Santa needed some help real quick. And, and, you know, he looked around and said, you know, who can, who can help? And he looked at the Marine Corps and said, Oh, these guys in every climate place, every embassy around the world. And we even sent John Glenn into outer space who better to help check the list. And that TikTok video has got, I mean, it's in the hundreds of millions of views on this, this page, you know, on TikTok. And it took my TikTok page from like a hundred to almost ten thousand. Wow, dude, that's awesome. Yeah, yep. that is so cool, though, man. You have such a it's such a it's such a cool vibe, and the you don't get to see yourself the way other people see you. So I will say this: as someone that was describing that scene, even though you're covered in shadow partly, I could see that you were lighting up as you were talking about that little girl. So. It obviously oh, yeah. has an it obviously has an effect on you. Yeah, yeah. Do you ever see past? Um, and I don't know. Correct me if I'm wrong. I don't know the terminology. Do you see past like cadets or who you know people that you were drill instructor to? That I mean is the the best feeling in the world because you train. You know, I I train three platoons of roughly hundred marines in each platoon wow and uh that's 13 weeks 24 7 that you're you're there with them training them how to be a marine how to do everything uh, we don't take anything for granted so they come in there and i mean we teach them how how to cut their nails how to shave how to take a shower how to do everything the the marine way so that everybody's on the same sheet of music and, you know, you, you've got your top 10%, the guys that really excel, and you notice them. You've got your bottom 10%, the ones that need that extra help, need the extra encouragement. Um, they probably didn't think it was encouragement, but, you know, that's what it was. And then you've got the, the you know, the, the guys in the middle who will sometimes shine and sometimes won't. And my platoon, when I was a recruit, just before graduation, our senior drill instructor was going through the roster of recruits and looks at this one now Marine and goes, who are you? When did you join the platoon? And the kid's like, I picked up, I was here from day one. And the senior drill instructor was like, no, you weren't. I don't remember you. I don't remember seeing you, but he was one of those recruits who, who didn't do anything great. Didn't do anything bad. Sounded off when he needed to, ran when he needed to, and just did everything that he was supposed to and, and wasn't never noticed. And had to go, the drill instructor had to go in and look at the roster and, and check and see that this guy had been there the whole time and had never been noticed. But then today you have social media 
And that guy will find you on Facebook or, or Instagram or TikTok or whatever. And they'll be like, I remember you doing this this day. And for you, that's a non-event. It's the same thing you did the day before. And it's the same thing you did the day after. It's, it's you know, almost like Groundhog Day. And, you know, you're like, wow. And, you know, the perfect example of that was I was standing outside of the academic instruction units, the classroom where the recruits go in and they get taught marine history, they get taught core values, they get taught uh, first aid, they get taught, uh, you know, any, anything that they need to sit down in a classroom and, and see a movie or see pictures or, you know, handle their books or anything. And it's right on what we call the recruit highway, which was the main road of the recruits walk down to either go to the chow hall, to their barracks, to go to the store to buy toothpaste and soap and also medical and dental. And these two recruits were walking back from dental and it's about 50 yards from where I'm standing. And they don't see me because I'm under an, an awning and they're having a good time because they, they're not with their drill instructor. They just sat in medical where the Navy was really nice to them and they got to, to goof off a little bit, you know, decompress. And so they're walking back. They just walked out and they're, you know, haven't gotten back into recruit mode. And, you know, I just yelled across the, the, the lawn, you know, to lock it up. And, you know, it scared them and they got back into to recruit mode and disappeared. Well, I leave the drill field. I go to another duty station for three years. I go to another duty station. It's a, at Camp Pendleton. And I'm, I unfortunately had to take a Marine to the brig and I'm standing outside and, you know, there's the fence and all the cameras and the, the, the doors and, you know, it's, you know, it's a prison and the door opens for a split second. This Marine's head pops out sideways, looks at me, pops back in and closes. And I'm like, okay, what was that about? And you know, then my time, my turn comes in and, you know, I go in and I get the guy processed in and there's a Marine sitting behind the bulletproof glass, you know, hitting all the buttons and doing all the paperwork. And I get done and I'm about to leave. And, and the Marine goes, uh, excuse me, gunnery sergeant, uh, I have a question for you. And I'm like, what is it, Lance Corporal? He goes, um, real drill instructor. And so now I look at him, I'm like, did I just not recognize one of my recruits, one of my Marines? And I'm like, yeah, there's, there's no way this was, he was one of mine. And I go, yes, I was. And he goes, you yelled at me. And I'm like, what? And he tells me the story and I, and it was enough for me to go, oh yeah, I remember doing that because, you know, it wasn't my, one of my recruits and it was just one of those things that, you know, stood out for me too. And I was like, oh, okay. He's like, yeah, you, you terrified us. You, we had no idea you were there. And the way you yelled, we thought you were like right on top of us. And I was like, okay. It's, it's amazing the effect you can have and the, and the connections you can make. Absolutely, man. That's what this is all about. That's why the connection to you is amazing. And, and just the connection to people that we have. Because again, we, if we don't have these conversations, we can't normalize anything. There's no stigma that's going to get erased without having these conversations and being able to have these conversations out in the open. And you, I, we got to start wrapping up, but I just wanted to share that I was recently 
able to speak to a bunch of law enforcement that work for crisis intervention training. And I got to share some, some stuff and it was amazing the insight that I got, but also that they were very receptive to me and what I had to say. And it was awesome. And it was a great experience. And, and meeting people like you is what it's all about, because if we can, if we can, the community is much smaller than we make it out to be, but, and, and the divisions that are amongst us are so small, but we make them so big. And by having conversations, like this every week, we get to break those down. So thank you very much for joining us. We're going to finish it up. Uh, we always end up with three questions. So Timmy, take it away, buddy. Yeah, real quick before I do that, I just <clears throat> thank you for being here and thank you for your service in general. Um, so the first question I have is, in your, in your thoughts, is it more rewarding having your recruits training people to become a Marine? Or is it more rewarding to do this side of it and spread kindness throughout and, you know, maybe plant little seeds? They're, they're, the missions are so different. It's, it's hard to compare them. Um, the advantage to this is you can see more of an, an effect, more of a positive impact uh, immediately than when you're a drill instructor. Because the drill instructor is 13 weeks. And the change takes some time. And then, you know, they, the Marine has to become, go out to the fleet, learn their job in the Marine Corps and perform as a Marine. So it's a longer, more drawn out process. Whereas here, uh, you know, you go out and you're, you're collecting toys or you're doing an event. And um, I, I did an event. I was at the Altamont Fair and I had the box out and a kid wanted to take a toy out of the box. He didn't understand. And so his father explained it to him and, you know, they, they took off and, you know, I didn't see him for a while and they had gone to the arcade and won toys to donate. And so the, the effect was immediate. It was great. So I'd have to say that that yeah. now is, is more rewarding. I got you. I understand that perfectly. Thank you. What was the biggest what is one of the biggest lessons? Cause I can't say the biggest because I don't think we ever learn our biggest lesson. Maybe until we're on our deathbed. Maybe I don't know. I don't have the answer to that, but what is the biggest, what is one of the biggest lessons about yourself that you learned from going from your role as a drill instructor to being this gunny clause? What is something that you learned about yourself that you didn't, that you weren't taught in the military that you did not recognize? I mean, if you asked any of my recruits, you asked any of my Marines, if they would ever imagine me being the way I am right now, there none of them in a million years would ever say that this is what I would be doing. Because, you know, in the military, when I was a Marine, you know, I, I pushed that hardcore line, you know, if if we could make training harder and more realistic, that's what I tried to do. If I could push them for, for, for 12 hours, then I, I'd make it 24 hours. If we could make it 24, we'd go 36. You know, if we, if we had three meals, we went to two meals, you know, hot, cold, didn't matter. Um, because I wanted them to be as prepared as I could for whatever came up. And so if you looked at me then and now, you'd be like, there's no way that he's doing this. There's no way that he's smiling and he's being nice. It's, it, you know, 
they, they, they probably, you know, look at me and go, yeah, they're, that's an invasion of the body snatchers or something, because that's not the same guy. That's amazing, man. It does go to show where we are all capable of amazing things. And we just have to give ourselves the opportunity to let ourselves be molded by whatever life throws at us, man. Yep. We got to be open to change. That's right. Got to be open to change and willing to roll with it. And not all change. I mean, not all change is bad. Most change is good, but you know, you got to stick with the good and, and look for the positive, you know, as they say, you know, one door closes, another door opens. Yep. Maybe not right away, but it will eventually. Yep. And thank you for sharing that, man. I appreciate it. So the last question is, if there was something that you would like to see done or that you could do for mental health as a whole without any kind of restraint, what would it be? To be, to be able to allow the person that has a problem be able to share it with me and me to be able to understand it and find a way to help because like everything else, you know, everything in relationships, everything in life, it's all about communication. And there are times where a person who has a problem can't communicate that problem so that others understand it and they feel isolated. And that just makes the problem worse. And you know, and then there are times where, you know, they'll, they'll, they'll express it and the person doesn't hear the problem. And they're like, you know, unfortunately in the Marine Corps, we say it a lot, suck it up. You know, you, you got a boo-boo, suck it up. You're tired, suck it up. You know, you didn't get enough food, suck it up. And, you know, it, it, it comes out to, to an expression of embrace the suck. The worse it gets, the more you you know you enjoy it, and so the so that's the thing is to, for the person to be able to express that problem, to express what they're they're feeling, for me to be able to hear it and understand it, and then to be able to work towards a solution, and those are so difficult to do because you know if you just for a split second if you're you're not paying attention and the person is is you know opening their heart and they don't see that connection, they shut down and they don't want to talk about it. And they, and they, you know, clam up and they, they go, nobody cares and they get isolated. And so that's, that's the really hard part is, is to honestly be there present in the moment to be able to help somebody because we all have our own lives and we all have our own things going on. And sometimes somebody says something and it affects us in a certain way and, and we can't help, we can't do anything. You know, I had a young Marine who, who, when I was in, was an alcoholic. And my solution was, you know, a bigger hammer, because that's what the Marine Corps gave me was bigger hammers. You had a problem and the first hammer didn't work. You didn't, you didn't go to anything else. You just got a bigger hammer. And, you know, the, the amazing thing was, is several years ago, because of social media, he reached out to me and, you know, he's going through the 12 steps. And he apologized for, you know, all the problems. And, you know, I turned around and said, you know, I didn't know how to solve that problem. I hadn't been given the training yet. And, you know, in the Marine Corps, a lot of people abuse alcohol. And so it was difficult for me to see that line between abuse and the medical condition that he had of alcoholism. And, you know, in my mind, it's like, hey, dude, you just put down the drink. I put down the drink when I'm done. I don't I don't I don't have to pick up a drink. 
And, you know, you, you can't, I couldn't get the message. It wasn't until much later. And so, you know, I had to apologize to him and say, look, I, I really didn't help you. I really didn't give you what you needed. I'm sorry. And so, you know, we're now good friends. <laughs> That's dude. There's no better way to end it. Thank you so much for that. That was awesome. Gunny operation, gunny claws. We're going to keep talking about this as we start to get into after the summer's over, when we start to ramp up the toy drive, we'll start to mention this quite a bit. Um, so we have a lot of I'm, friends that do collect toys, but if you've got events that you know about, please no, share. I, yeah, I have one event, and this is for 22 a day. Okay. It's hosted by an organization called Irreverent Warriors. They're, they're national. They have what we call silky hikes across the country. We're going to have one in New York City in August. And... Um, let me double check the date because I, I don't want to give you the wrong date. Um, like I said, it's in New York City. Uh, it's only for veterans or active duty military. It's August 26th. Uh, they can go online and, and look it up. Irreverent Warriors, Silky Hike. Um, when we do our PT, we have PT gear. And one of the pair of shorts that we used to wear were made by a, a commercial company. And they're nylon and they looked, you know, like, short shorts and, you know, hoochie coochie shorts. And, you know, so they're, they're nicknamed silkies by the Marines. They're Ranger panties in the army. You know, everybody's got a little different name for them, but we get together and through camaraderie and comedy, we talk about our problems and we work together. Uh, like I said, I was just down in New York city yesterday. And one of the guys there is in some treatment and, you know, he came out and, you know, it was really good to see him. I hadn't heard from him in a while and people were concerned, but, you know, I was like, dude, it's so good to see you. I'm so glad you're getting the help that you need. Can't wait to see you next, next month at the hike. And, you know, that was the whole thing. You know, once again, we're just having a great time. That goes to show, man, that real therapy doesn't look like therapy at all, man. It's not about sitting yeah. there. I mean, that is important. Don't get me wrong. But that it, the most important therapy is the connection that we create with other people just like us, man. And thank you so much, Gunny, for being here, man. It's been awesome. Uh, don't forget, we'll I'll post everything in the show notes. I already have the link for Reverend Warriors in my, in my notes that I've been taking as we've been talking. Uh, let us know. We'll set up another time as we get closer, you know, as we start to wrap the toy drive up, you know, if you've got something big going on or whatever, we can definitely connect. I appreciate that. You're very welcome, man. We appreciate you. Thank you for your service. Thank you for being here today with us, man. And have a wonderful day. Yep. Thank you. Too. Thank you, Gunny Claus. Thanks, Tim. Thanks, Will. You got it, buddy. Have a great day. Timmy, you too. another amazing conversation, dude. Holy shit. Hoo-hoo, yes, ho-ho, hoo-rah! <laughs> well, I gotta until make, next week. You got it, man. Until next week, get well. Be safe. Stay above. Thank you for giving us a listen. New episodes every Wednesday. If you listen on Apple Podcasts, you can share, rate, review, and even subscribe so you'll never miss an episode. Other ways to support the show? Follow us on social media. Share the content. Share our episodes. You can also buy us a coffee at buymeacoffee.com forward slash above ground pod. For further concerns, show ideas, or just to say hi, you can email us at abovegroundpodcast at gmail. Once again, thank you for listening and supporting mental health. Keep the conversation going and stay above.